What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Rideshare Rodeo, Uber and Lyft driver and gig economy news presented by Uber Lyft drivers. Tonight, I have Marissa Edens back. Uh, hi, Marissa. Hey, Steve. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming down again. Um, we are in a second pandemic here in Colorado of heat, which I guess the rest of the country is probably, most of it anyway, is probably in, but... Um, again, for those of you who have never visited the lovely state of Colorado, Denver is a desert in the summer and July is the absolute worst month. And I know people in Phoenix and Tucson have no pity at all because you guys are hitting 119 today. However, the rest of the country should feel some pity because it's very hot here and dry and nasty. Or at least you need to have great air conditioning, which I don't have. So anyway, instead of air conditioning, Marissa and I have opted to try out some Montucky beers tonight. So if you haven't tried Montucky, get out there and try the cold snack. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that bad. Um, anyway, uh, so moving into, let's just jump into this today. I wanted to talk about uh, PUA. So... PUA ends on the 31st, but I've posted a couple articles on the website uberliftdrivers.com that you should check out because it, from what I could tell, it appeared that your last PUA payment won't be granted unless the month, unless the month ends exactly on your state's date of a last date of it. And by that, I mean like, so for me in Colorado, PUA ends Saturday night at midnight and you can file a claim at any time after that. So if Saturday night is not the last day of July, the week before will be the last granted week of PUA. You won't get a prorated six or five days. Nothing. It's just done. And, wow. uh, so that really means basically people two weeks, there's two weeks left of PUA. Maybe you'll get a third. I don't know. It depends on the state you're living in. But you might get a third out of it. But you'll want to look into this because, um, I don't know. I've been, I've been mentioning it, and I want to make sure that everybody understands that this is coming to an end. Now, when the CARES Act was launched, um, the timetable was set and. I think that the timetable would have probably been a lot closer to reality if people didn't go out. Well, I, I, I'm not blame. By the way, I'm not blaming any of this. It's just happenstance that happened during the during this time of a pandemic that really has hurt us. So here's what I here's what I equate to some of the issues. Um, we have a lot of states operating completely rogue from one another. They're opening down, opening restaurants, shutting bars down, opening bars again, shutting bars down. Even in the state of Colorado, we're doing that. Um, but it's there's no across the board, here's what we should be doing or here's what we need to be doing. So in April into early May, would you say that's about right? Everybody was pretty much on board. Right. I do think in the beginning, 
more people were willing to cooperate, try to get through this shelter at home. Or maybe not even willing. They were on board because we were all on board. We all knew this needed to happen. So it's not like they were like, I don't believe this. I'm a... I feel like that started a little later where people started getting skeptical. I feel like in the beginning, everybody, everybody was there. I agree. Everybody was looking to do their part. The majority of people. And at least if they weren't down with it, they at least recognized, do you have grandparents? Do you have family? Do you have other, do you have, do you, are you around people you care about who are older or right. have uh, pre-existing conditions or autoimmune systems? Like things like that. I mean, I feel like now we got, you know, I I don't even get me started on the moron state, which is Florida. <laughs> uh, but I am going to bring it up because I saw a ton of articles today, a ton, either slamming, uh, is it DeSantos? Yes. Either slamming DeSantos for what he's done, not doing, whatever, or I've seen a lot of articles today that were very serious articles Asking him to step down tomorrow. No more to step down. He's completely failed the state. He's opened the beaches five times and shut him down four now. So this is coming from Florida voters. This Florida. is every news outlet right now has DeSantos has to go, kind of. That's the that's the ring of the news the last two days. Yeah. I know a few people from Florida who are personally disgusted with the way things have gone on. Uh, leading to the situation they're in now. Yeah, I mean, who would, I, I would be. I mean, you know, with I don't understand with kids and everything like that how I understand it's got to – I've spent some time in the summer in Florida. It's not pretty. It's – I mean, I mean not, not pretty, but it's hot. But I'm dealing with hot. A, a lot of us are. You know, I know you guys have the beaches, and that's probably why many of you live there, and you just are like, well, I want to get out to the beach. But – there's a reason the beaches have been opened because every time DeSantos opens them, he opens them to let people try and earn some money. The businesses that need to, like, I think he knew on the 4th of July not to reopen. I think he knew that. And from what I read today, he knew that all of his advisors, everything said, don't. And he realized that from the business perspective, he had to, to let these people try and get that money. Again, I understand where the country's at. I understand where everybody's at with this. I mean, I understand that, you know, we're penny pinching. We're not doing as much anymore, so you're not spending money. So you are, maybe you're getting by a little better, but some people aren't. And he keeps opening and then having to shut down. This is, I mean, this is a nightmare. He opened up for spring break, and then they tried to pin all this on New Orleans. Hands down, Florida played 50 times the role in a problem than New Orleans did. Well, you can see by the results that have come of that. I mean, Louisiana is definitely lower on the range of cases than Florida, at least that have been tested and determined. I mean, but you remember when Florida was, or New Orleans was the next hotspot to New York. They were sure of it. And they've, and they somehow did this. And that's the first, I'm a, big fan of new orleans it's one of my favorite cities in the country maybe the world that i've been to and i've been to quite a few and even the world but i gotta say that it is such an awesome town but that town gets nailed with everything and whatever we feel around the country from something and i'm not talking about hurricanes because the hurricanes that hit them 
those of us live that live inland, we don't have any way of really acknowledging what you people who go through hurricane season feel. But hurricanes do seem to have a target for New Orleans every time. I don't know why. It's got an X on its back. But even everything else that happens in New Orleans, they get it so bad, and yet somehow they always get through. And this time, when they were getting blamed for the Mardi Gras celebration that went on in late February, early March, everybody was saying, that's how come we got exposed to COVID. That's not why. We had cruise ships out with 4,000 people on each boat and 1,000 infected. So don't tell me that New Orleans, again, all the fingers always go to New Orleans. They didn't do it. New Orleans didn't do anything. And if anything, back to DeSantos, DeSantos and then ending this, he did more. He kept opening the damn beaches, letting tons of kids out there shoulder to shoulder. Well, he was allowing a tourism. Moron. He was a moron. <laughs> he was allowing tourism, which led to the spread of COVID. But even his own, even they have the 15-day quarantine in place. So why on earth? It's it's his own people, too. When they opened up for the 4th, it wasn't so much out-of-state people. Right, but it got there because of tourism. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's not an international hub it's just, as it's much. Just, I guess it's it, just gross. I mean, I, I don't know. I was reading all these articles, and a lot of times... I'm sure a lot of you feel the same way. You just skim past this stuff. And you just go, whatever, you know, yeah, he's not that great. This guy's awful. Remove him. He does not know what he's doing. And at the same time, we now have Arizona spiking in a way that's proving that everybody has been comparing the, um, the amount of tests to the death rate. Well, you can't just do that because... The bigger problem, because I researched into this a little bit more, the bigger problem is the the ICU filled rate. So if Arizona has all of its ICU filled with COVID patients that are going to even recover as long as they stay there for a little bit, and then they get the ICU patient that comes through the door through emergency who's going to die. They have to remove somebody from ICU to put that guy in. So what I was seeing was that um, the mortality rate for Arizona has never gone down. So one article, a really interesting article I read today said um, that people were calling this phase two, except for in Arizona, because Arizona never got out of phase one. And I think that's very much true. I saw the graphs. I looked at them. They didn't. They never had any decline. And I don't know what it is. I know that uh, they've done what we've done here in Colorado. Open the bars, close the bars. Open the bars, close the bars. Um, but for some reason, it's not leaving that state. And that's like one of our hottest states in the country where we all thought, even the people testing and trying to come up with cures or, you know, antibodies and all this, we all thought that that it wouldn't end it, but that he, that the summer would at least help give a give somewhat of a break on this. But we're learning that summer and the hottest state in the country is now the worst state. They are recording uh, more per capita. They are uh, they are above Florida now. Florida recorded more positive tests yesterday than Arizona. However. The per capita was way above, and they have surpassed Texas in uh, 
in deaths and ICU uh, um, admissions for July. The trend that I saw for Arizona is completely unbelievably bad. They are out of hospitals. Um, there's been there there was a uh, a guy in Tempe, Arizona, outside Phoenix, who let the the head of ICU let a camera crew come through in live time. Um, and I actually heard this on the Rachel Maddow show. I was listening to her podcast today, and I heard. Uh, and so I had to go back and find the video. And they actually let the camera crew come through in real time and see what it looks like. And it's not blood everywhere and all this, but it's a horrendous scene that she warned about before you watched it. You don't want to see it. You don't want to see what's going on in these hospitals. Well, and that's the problem. I mean, a lot of death rates are low when their hospitals aren't over capacity because they can treat the people who need treatment. You know, there's some people who aren't going to make it no matter what, but generally most people with treatment seems like they have, they have some control over this to an extent. When they don't is when there's no more room in the hospitals. That's when people who could live with treatment are dying and the mortality rate goes up. I mean, that's why we're trying to slow the spread. Yeah, I mean, oh, we but, were. <laughs> but I mean, bot bottom line is, you know, some of the things that happened, uh, you know, and they needed to happen. But the protests, the the states, not any of the states being synced up and not having any federal, here is what we are doing. From all the research I've done, it's the states contact the feds and say, what do we do about this? this? And it's almost like they're like, dude, we've never been here before either. Just figure it out. And so you've got every state running rogue doing what they think is right. You know, you got Occupy Seattle. And again, I'm not against any of this stuff. I'm just saying if you think that this didn't contribute to this second wave that's coming, you're crazy. I mean, we've had marches for months and, I mean, people started getting a little loose with those marches. I'll, I'll, I'm going to, I hate to do this, but I'm going to use New York as an example. In New York, I saw near the, near the end of the protesting, I saw people with their masks off left and right, and it wasn't going from place to place, marching and hearing speeches. There were bands playing and people dancing and drinking and the bars were open. I mean, it was a joke. And or a party, a party. And it felt like a party that everybody had been waiting for. Like you and I, we, we would love a party, but let's have the party when it's solved. Right. Because having the party now, when we don't know anything about this, and let's be honest, we don't, we don't know anything. I mean, the, the, the two, the German and the other company that were supposed to be leaps and bounds ahead with the vaccine. We just found out uh Saturday or over the weekend that they're back to square one, that it was a complete failure and that nothing has been done. No, no progress at all. So we're nowhere. Um, but that brings me around back now to, we didn't plan on George Floyd happening, obviously. We didn't plan on the protests that would happen. We didn't plan on the states not only not being ready to integrate a PUA system that took half of the time that it was executed for to get some checks out. But... You know, nobody's, re I mean, just we've, I, I feel like we've lost it in every way. People are now going out doing things. I was hiking yesterday on a single track trail. I have never, I'm the, uh, it's a trail I use all the time here in Colorado. Um, 
and I had my son, we had our masks, and I have, it looked like a shopping mall. I've never seen that many people on this trail. It's a kind of off the beaten path one. Um, it's, it's seven miles. So it, it, that usually takes a few people out of the mix who don't want to do that in a thousand or 1100 feet of elevation gain. So you're usually just, you see a couple people, but not many. And there's a river you hike down to, you see a couple there, but you can space. I was passing people every two seconds and 70% of the people, uh, if it were a straight guess, and I was paying attention big time. So I'm, I feel pretty secure with that. 70% not only weren't wearing their masks, they didn't have one. And uh, the, the ones who did, I could tell were the people like me who hike it, who had their masks down so they could breathe while they're hiking. But they'd pull it up when they saw the person coming, and I would too. But, I mean, we're seeing some, I'm seeing some major irresponsibility, even from the people you wouldn't think that you'd be seeing it from. This is getting ridiculous. I think people have just given up. And now we're two weeks bringing it back around, out from PUA ending, and there's going to be lack of jobs. Businesses have closed. There's fear. There's people who have underlying conditions. There are um, children. Um, we are. We heard today that California is now doing first uh, the fall uh, part of school ha, is now going to be done all online. Um, if you tell me that that's not because Governor Newsom opened the beach like Florida four times, okay. But why is it only L.A. and San Diego where they opened the beaches that the schools have to do this? I did hear something about Texas doing a similar thing that they're not starting till like oh, yeah. early October. I know, but I was pointing out, yeah, you're right. I think there's other states. I mean, there's other, Atlanta. We just saw Atlanta. Right. Um, I didn't see the details on Atlanta, but Atlanta's going to be doing the same thing. And here we have no idea yet. I mean, I assume we will know in the next couple of weeks since exactly. mean, we're less than well, a month away from school supposed to start. Ex- exactly. And Mar- Marissa and I both have kids here in Colorado who are in the school system. And I all I've seen so far is a bunch of kind of, we don't know where to go with this. Please give us your input. And then it became schools are going to open. We need to open. And then it became, you can opt your kid out of school and do school from home. And then it became, we're going to stagger the, the kids. They have no plan. They have no plan at all. Just like we have no vaccine. And just like the two biggest companies that were on something with a vaccine, were not on something with a vaccine. We have no vaccine coming anytime soon. They've gone back to the drawing board. So to me, the plan was PUA would go through July. Had we not had the protests, had we had states synced up, had we had federal guidance, had this been handled much, much better, we might be in a place end of July where actually that would have been a good guess and maybe we would have been really getting back to somewhat of a norm. But with all the new spiking cases in every, almost every state... I don't see how they're just going to July 31st say, PUA's gone. Well, I lost my job. Um, I can't go back to my job. My business closed. There aren't jobs. Uh, my, my kid's school is going to be closed, so I have to be home with him. There are so many reasons, and they're not even acknowledging the fact that we might have to extend PUA. And I'm not trying to say to people... You know, get excited, you might have six more months on the couch. That's not what it is. 
but we have to find some way because you can't just my worry and i was telling this to marissa is if you just cut off pua in july there's nowhere for many people to go there's people living in fear and i think we're going to see a huge huge spike in crime well and also i believe that right now we're in more dangerous of a situation with COVID than we were when PUA was began, was started, that now things are almost more dangerous because there's more cases, right? There's more potential to get sick. And there were also a lot of places are closer to that point of the ICU being, I don't, we're not here in Colorado, but I know there are places where their ICU is filling up. And no, but Colorado is back on the rise. Yes. And for those of you who are not familiar with Denver, Colorado, we took the whole new convention center and I think we built a thousand beds. If it's, if it's not right, it's something like, I, I don't know. I might be off guys, but um, it was something like that. They ripped it, gutted it, cleaned it put a thousand beds in like we saw at um, some of the places around New York city that they were getting ready to do the same kind of thing. Um, And we never even used it. And then they still have not had a conference in the conference hall, but about a month and a half ago, they ripped it all down and took it all apart. So it's ready to build a conference in again. But all the beds and everything they put all the money and time into is gone. So if we do get a surge, we now aren't ready. And we were completely ready. Damn, I hope they can put it back together quick if they need to. It was extremely costly. You and I have a friend, Jesse, who was part of that, of handling that. He was actually running the, he this friend that we're talking about works for, he runs cables um, you know, Cat 5 and some newer optical stuff and things like that for what they need. And they had actually run some cables in for all the medical equipment that was needed. And he was, they were hired, charged a huge fee, his company, um, to the state. And then they were hired for the same fee to come remove it. So if we have to do it, you got to pay for it again. And we didn't do anything with the conference center in between. Why not just leave it? It's not like you can see in the windows... You know, it's it was there. It was ready. Why would you do that? We got very cocky, is I guess what I'm saying about all this COVID stuff. And now I think we're about to pay. And I honestly think that I know Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham are whining and doing their little crap dance with their no face and saying no way, no how, no ever. And I'm sorry to say it that way, folks, but that's how it is. Um they don't want anybody earning more than you did at a job or else your incentive to go back to the job won't happen. Well, you know what? A lot of us have had to do home care because of all this. Um, if school doesn't start, we're going to have way greater costs. So it's not like we're living fat. Okay? Those, of, uh, those people who got on PUA are not living fat. And, and there's no reason they shouldn't have a little kick here and there to get through this because you know what? I know that everybody I know who got on PUA, who I helped to get on PUA, they, they didn't decide to shut down the country. 
They didn't decide we have COVID, we have to shut down the country. Once stay-at-home orders became mandatory, at that point, the government owed all of us money to stay home. Period. Because we've, in my lifetime, and I'm 48 years old, I have never seen the government say stay at home. It's never happened. And not even for a day. I don't even remember for a day. Maybe. A snow day. They're rare, but, you know, they did happen. But the government, not school snow day. Right. Or a, no, the, it's the true. Government for an extended say, period of time, I've... We've never seen uh, anything like it. That we know. But I don't even think we've seen anything in the realm. Not even the same category. And now we're facing these huge outbreaks that could make the other numbers from the first outbreak look like a joke. And that will be rolling into winter if we don't get this contained. So will they readdress PUA or will we have a civil war? <laughs> because people need bread. And I'll just throw that out there as a little, uh, as a little Easter egg for you guys to go out and see if you can find what I'm talking about there. Go find an article about bread, a woman, and Texas. Tell me what you think. Um, uh, we had another... Uh, this, was, this was messed up. Before I close out of all that and what crime could happen. In... Where were we? Torrance, California. Last Thursday, a Lyft passenger uh, punched and spat on a driver multiple times after the driver asked the passenger to put their mask on. Driver Pedro uh, Cubius uh, caught it all on his dash cam, even the verbal assault. Uh, and apparently, here's the response from the, the why she did this. The passenger. The passenger uh, got mad about the comment about the mask. And then the driver got to a location and said, okay, we're here. And that's when she went off. And she punched him. She spat in his face. All this stuff. And told him COVID wasn't real and this and that. Because she didn't get to the right place she wanted to go. Uber uh, or Lyft, uh, the driver, and uh, the data that they've gone back and looked into confirmed he went to the address that he was supposed to go to. So why wasn't she saying you're going the wrong way? Or things like that. But nonetheless... Another reason why, you know, you hear these things. I don't want to be in a car with these lunatics. I don't want to be in a car. You know, none of us know really, you know, if a mask even helps. But we live in a mask world right now. So you wear one because it's for the greater good. We're protecting others. If you are a person who thinks, I don't have to wear a mask because I don't believe in this crap. Well, I think that you need to reassess that because I do know people like that. And you know what? I think that even they've come around a bit and realized they have to do it because it's not what they believe. And if they are wrong, there's a problem. Like the uh, COVID party in Texas. I, mean, I was disgusted to read that article. The guy gets COVID. Um, he's in his 20s. And these they've become known as COVID parties. 
He was in his 20s. He invited all of his friends over uh, who are non-believers in this, think it's, a, think it's just a joke and it's not real. And, or not dangerous. I mean, if he's not, positive, not, he must right, not And not real. dangerous. So, but he invited all these people over. He had 100 people plus show up at this party. It's not yet determined how many other people caught it. He died. Is this the one where they charged money to get no, in? No, oh. no. I know what you're talking about. From, But no, this isn't anything like that. It's just, I have COVID. Let's prove that it's not real. These are happening now. They're called COVID parties. By the way, do not have them, folks. Please. Right. Because <laughs> really, you know, 99 people might be okay, but the one friend who's not, I mean, no thought about protecting their life. Right. Just I mean, again, again, or two and a hundred or five and a hundred. I don't know. I'm not happens. perfect. I went through my twenties. I did some really dumb stuff. <laughs> I mean, I did, you know, I had fun. I made some mistakes. I learned from them, but not mistakes like this. You know, never was I faced with a global pandemic and basically called it a joke. And what, what horse shit and, uh, I'm just going to have all my friends over and we're going to prove this wrong. And the the bottom line is the guy even said he was in the ICU and I guess the 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 nurse it's up on our this this is up on our website by the way this article um so check it out uberliftdrivers.com uh but the nurse from the ICU who was with him said he just kept repeating over and over um I think I really screwed up. That's what he was saying. Well, yeah, you really screwed up, dude. You're dead. I feel so. like these are the same kids that ate Tide Pods. <laughs> but wouldn't those kids be dead? <laughs> <laughs> I think the Tide Pod kids are dead. That's why the pod thing went away. Who knows? Maybe COVID came from Tide Pods. <laughs> but the bottom line is, I'm going to move past this now. Sorry to vent about it. I just... Keep your eye out about PUA. Everybody out there listening or who follows me on Twitter or social media, you know that I am way on top of this. So if I start to catch any kind of hair or whatever, that it's it's going to be coming back um, or any kind of stimulus. There's been talk of stimulus check number two will be coming. Um, there's a couple acts out there, and I'll post them in the linear notes so you guys can see them. Uh, one was already shot down. Uh, there's two other ones out there. But Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham are very not even listening, and they're going to shoot anything down that even resembles helping people out. Um, okay. As, uh, oh, as rideshare is picking up in many big cities again, uh, we see Philadelphia is doing really well or starting to really climb back up. A bunch of other, other cities. In Boston, um, it is taking uh, three to five times as long to get a ride as it did pre-COVID. And Uber actually had the gall to get out and say something about this. And what they said was that um, the reason that it's taking so long for drivers to get to passengers is because there's not as many on the road because 
there is a surge pricing ban during the COVID-19 uh, emergency pandemic. Okay, Uber, shut up. For real. That's just ridiculous. I mean, why even comment? We know what's going on. We don't need your little PR stunts anymore. Everybody's sick of it. And um, couldn't you have just added, couldn't Uber have just added a straight price instead of a surge like they do with everything? Like, you know, airport fee, booking fee, other, this, that. The, you could have just added a one that applied to each area that said, you know, COVID-19 emergency fee. So I, they're saying that they're they're charging less because of the COVID. No, they're saying they're charging their rates, their standard rates, because right. you can't. It's it's not just rideshare; it's every industry. You're so not allowed to. So insinuating that less drivers are on the road because the potential to earn is less. Is that what? Or that it's the same as it was with no surge possible. Right. Right, so their earning potential is less without surge potential. Right, and if they so drivers but, don't want to drive. Right, I, mean, I just, I just, just don't, say, I just don't want to say it the wrong way though. I don't want it to sound like that. Like that almost sounds like a prop for Uber because right, honestly, no, I mean basically what they're saying is that we're not paying drivers enough for them to feel like it's worth it to get out there to drive. Yeah, I mean because you, they're not. You and I know we started. We made more per mile per minute. And that got dropped, and we we dealt with it. But you know, why so would... earning potential is down, and danger is up. Danger is way up. Boston is a major international airport, right? Um, so yeah, I mean the you know Denver's an international airport. But we don't see it like New York and and Jersey and all all those Eastern Coast and even L.A. and whatnot. But I mean, like, why would you go out? But to come out and say. Listen, if we could just surge price and gouge people, we'd have more drivers on the road. That's a that's a load of a load of crap. That's not the way to explain this. And they should be absolutely ashamed of the way they practice business and everything. So I, I don't know. I'm I was very disgusted to see that they had a comment. To me, I know they're always looking for you know, like, oh, this will be a good plug for us. If that's the case, they should have just left it at what was said. You know, in Boston, it's taking a long time to get an Uber. Just leave it, dude. You don't need to add in, you know, that, well, if we could price surge. I think it's just admitting that they don't pay drivers enough Yeah. to drive. Yeah. I mean. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just... Drivers aren't out there because we don't pay them enough money to drive in this. We're still earning, but. <laughs> right. And then we have, uh, uh, is it proposition? I forget now. It's not 2020 proposition. Whatever is now the fighting proposition. Uh, it's 2000 something or whatever. That's the fighting proposition in California against AB5. You know, I thought I was under the understanding or from following all this that the money being raised by DoorDash, Uber, Lyft was to just kind of hire attorneys and make sure that the, the game was kept fair because that's going to be a precedent for the country. But this new proposition is junk. I mean, they are really trying to hold people over the rails on this one. And I think Uber this week is getting ahead of the ballot 
and trying to show people how awful AB5 is. Because here is something that, again, we already saw an Uber fail. Bamp. Fail. Happen with this in Southern California. But now the entire state is doing it as of yesterday. The entire state. Drivers can now set their own rates. It's a race to the bottom. Yep. So uh, this will cause undercutting of other drivers. But the big thing that I took away from this is that it's going to make a point that drivers do make enough money because they can they can cut their price. There's always someone willing to do it a little cheaper. That's the problem. Right. Just like when you need your house painted, you get five beds. You don't necessarily go with the cheapest one. Everybody's got their own method of how they determine that. You might go with the most expensive. But some people do just go with the cheapest. And you know what? If you see a four cars, if you see a four door 2015 Accord and another 2015 Accord and one is three quarters the price and it's a long, and it's a $50 trip, probably going to take the one that's cheaper. I mean, it's, what if the driver is the same rating? What if it's the same name? You know I mean? Like you just, this, I feel like this is not for the, this is not a tool for the drivers. This is not a tool for you. This is a tool for them to show California, look at all the people still working, setting their own prices. So, if Uber doesn't watch it, here's my thing. I, I prefer to be an independent contractor. However, I love listening to the opinions of the pro AB5 people. Uh, when I had Matthew on a few weeks ago, for uh, he works Instacart and some other things, and he's pretty big AB5. You know, he, he showed me the light on some things that didn't change my mind on how I feel about my Colorado market and what I want, but it showed me the light on some things that I really hadn't taken into consideration or hadn't heard the way he presented it. So I think Uber is out to show the state before all these court cases and everything that, well, we got drivers working for half price, and they know it. They created the half price. Some drivers have less expenses, and they're going to be willing to do it for less. So I think it's going to degrade the service. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think it's going to cut out anybody with high expenses because it's it's not going to. So, the... you know, when they initially implemented this, they had said that it's not even like the passenger gets to choose overrides like by rating like this person's charging more but they have a higher rating they're not going to see that they're automatically matched up with the lowest price if that's they the were? case that's the way it was originally set up yes i don't know if that's how they're still going to follow i didn't it. yeah i didn't see any details on how this set up the articles i saw were just like uber goes all in with california the entire state on a bad idea yeah that's I don't know if it's the same, but when they initially implemented it, it was I believe it was in an airport. It right? was. It was LAX. It was the passenger didn't choose. They didn't look at a couple options and pick, well, that's a nicer car. I well, think I'd like that one for more money. But that's a they were matched with the lowest price automatically. But, but that's a problem then because people sit in the lot in order. 
in the staging lot, you pull in. You get a number in the queue. Right. Your car, 89. So how does that work? I guess there's no more queue, right? You're bidding against 300 drivers? Well, where I don't do know. they sit? I mean, how does... Yeah. I mean, I'm you can't sure all be sitting that... in the same lot and just kind of keep dropping the number to see if you can be the first one out. Exactly. How do you get that ride? <laughs> and I thought that's what failed was because they tested LAX and said, this is a joke. Well, I'd be interested to see the new, you know, what... Well, it's, it's, it's live. It's it's live for any driver in California right now to make their own rates. You should get a driver who's doing it to. I think that they're telling you about it. Yeah, we need to get or yeah, I need to get a driver on here who has really. Well, it's gonna it's gonna take in about two three weeks. We need to have a driver on here because it just started. Right, I'd be curious to see. Maybe we just don't know. Well, but like you said, it started in LAX airport, and that's all that they were doing. Now it's statewide, like it's drivers in San Francisco who are driving the city. It's not airport setting rates. It's you can set your rates anywhere you want. So that I don't get. And that, that, first of all, that makes their whole system a lie because it's the closest car. Well, it can't be if you're bidding. Yeah. There's no longer the closest car. Unless you can see... The bids and the types of cars. Maybe they're doing something along the lines of, here's the five cars near you, here's their rates. Right. Pick one. That's all. That's the only way I could think of that would even make sense to this soon-to-be next Uber major fail. So like in an airport queue, you're thinking the next five would be bidding. Well, I'm leaving out the queue. Right. Because now they're saying all California, so now it's cities. I'm talking about like San Francisco. Right. Let's say you're going out for the night. You set in your prices because you know it's a Thursday. I've been doing this for four years. I know that ridership's been down. I'm going to have to lower my rate a little. So this guy, let's say he knows his stuff, driver, he sets his rates a little lower. I think that when the only way this possibly could work on the platform they say and the way it works is... To say, here's your five closest drivers, all within two miles, and here's their rates and their cars and their ratings. And then you pick one, and that's it. (laughs) But regardless, um, ridiculous. Which brings me into uh, last week, uh, Marissa was here as well, and we talked about... uh, Uber drivers in the Seattle area and how there were two studies done by Cornell and UC Berkeley that couldn't have been more different. And so Marissa had even asked, you know, during the show, after the show, we talked about it, about how can they be, uh, you know, how, how is Cornell saying 23, 25 at 9.73 is UC Berkeley. That's what the drivers are being paid in the same city, same stats. Well, I went deeper and I found some information. So the two studies were basically 180 degree different from each other. So here's why those conclusions. Um, so Cornell said 23.25 an hour is what they make. UC Berkeley said 973 an hour is what they make. 
we, now Marissa had brought up maybe it's expenses. They were supposed to be working off the same thing, and actually it was not expenses. I thought maybe that would be what we'd find too, but here's what it was. Coronel received driver data or driver earning data from Uber and Lyft directly after UC Berkeley started this on their own. Now that's not the breaker. Here's the kicker. Um, so let me see if I can read this. Uh, okay, on the Cornell side, or is it on the Cornell side? It would be, oh no, on the UC Berkeley side, they didn't consider a driver, or no, on the Cornell side, they didn't consider driver wait time to be paid work unless, unless it resulted in a ride. So if you go out, you do three rides, and then you sit, you're waiting for your next one, you wait 45 minutes, it's Tuesday night, it's 10 o'clock, and you say, I'm done, I, this isn't going to be my night, I'm, I'm calling it. And you go home, that, 40, that last 45 minutes didn't count on the Cornell one. Okay. Which faces an issue that actually, you know, like I was just discussing with David with autonomy.jobs, which we will be discussing next week because they fully launched people. I would only want to send you there yet because I went there and did the demo with David. It's sick. And it's even more than I thought it would do. It's awesome. Um, but anyway, uh, so what about the first ride? What about from the time you turn on to the time you get your first ride? No. Well, no, yes. That was counted on both yes, studies? Be, yes, because, well, no, no, it's just Seattle. And, right. right, both studies. UC Berkeley and Cornell both had, uh, the only difference is if you stopped, even if it had been for lunch. So it was only at the end. Like if at 10.30 you gave a ride, and at 11.30, you still hadn't had one. You, I'm going to have lunch. You turn off. That hour didn't count for the Cornell side. So if you turned on at your house and you got a ride, yes, that time at your house counted on both studies. Okay. The only time it didn't is if you turned on and you turned off without getting a ride. Such a huge difference. I don't, I don't see how that, all that last ride affects all of the hours. Well, because so here's much. what I'm thinking. Because of COVID, and until we saw maybe a couple cities getting back into it, uh, there hasn't been a ton of rides in Seattle. There's been a lot of areas you can't go to because they were locked down. There's been a lot of police issues. Um, basically, there's nobody's working. So there's a lot of problems. But, uh, you know, there... What if, like... You live in Seattle, you live downtown, and you go do five rides. It's just been the worst day. It's a nightmare heat. But you leave your app on, you walk into your house, and you just say, you know what, I'm just going to, for a little bit, see if one comes in. And you fall asleep on your couch for two hours, and you get up and you turn it off. And let's say that that's three hours that you didn't have a ride. UC Berkeley counted that. Cornell didn't count one minute of it. Right. So but I think how that... many times you as a driver, how many times 
did you wait at the end of your shift 45 minutes to turn off when you didn't get a ride? I was usually driving and but, then deciding to turn off or I was, I'd wait but there, minutes. But there haven't been riders. Right. So when is the data from? Do you know when this? Oh, it's it's from this year. And I'm imagining, actually, it's a good question, but I'm imagining it's somewhat related right. to COVID. Is it post or Good, good question. I'll go back and I'll look for that too because <laughs> I went back and looked at all this and I thought that was a very weird thing. But at the same time, I understood it because I've talked to a lot of drivers who said they are waiting an hour or were waiting an hour in between rides right. lately, whereas they never waited longer than 10, 15 minutes ever. So that on top of the fact that we have a ton of... Uh, Articles out that were saying that that kind of followed up on this saying, uh, you know, nobody uh, or here's what UC Berkeley said. Here's what Cornell said. Well, now there's a ton of articles out basically with the headline. So nobody knows how to figure out what Uber drivers earn or else the headlines say um, Uber and Lyft drivers are paid way better than you think. Those are the two articles out on every paper right now. Which is wow. crazy because every paper I read it in are the same papers who said Uber drivers and Lyft drivers are paid crap. There's no two ways around it. Now they're all saying they're paid better than you think, and none of us can figure out how they're paid. Great conclusion. Yeah, I'm glad I have the news because <laughs> without it, I would I would just be making stuff up. <laughs> joke. Well, very – if you – talk to 10 drivers and they tell you how much they earn as a driver, they're probably all calculating that differently. But I know a, a good number of drivers and a good number of markets, even some of them don't make that, don't do that well in markets. I would think they would, but they do use the, when, I, when I've talked to them over the three years, I've been running uberliftdrivers.com. I've talked to them and I've become, I've become closer with them and they work a certain amount of hours and they do the same way kind of breakdown that I do on my expenses, know how to come up with the way at least that I come up with my earnings, which has always worked for me. Which is? Too in-depth to get into. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I will at another time. I'll tell you guys how I do it. You know, you might not agree. Um, you might agree, you know. Right, but is your way the same way everybody else is doing it? That's my the point. The ones that I was talking to in depth, yes. And they did know how to do it. I mean, some know. I, mean, I don't even know that some, I don't even know the ways some did it. Right. Well, but I hear I, all the time someone saying, well, Uber drivers here make this much an hour. And somebody saying, no way, I only make this much an hour because I only make this much per minute and they're only taking in one aspect of their pay when there's so many variables that go into it. It just... Well, you, Jesse, Mike, Darren, those are four very close friends of mine who do rideshare. Now, I also know a bunch of other people who do rideshare in Denver pretty well and I know a couple people who used to do it very well who got out of it and... We all kind of agree on what we make here. Right. So when you say that different market thing, here in Denver, us Denver drivers do know, well, we don't agree with a lot of the news. We do make money. 
I mean, coming out of the pandemic, we'll see. And I think these companies are going to have to shift a lot of ways they do things because it's not going to be as easy to land good drivers. You're going to get three strike drivers getting out of there all the time. Right. I mean, if we're bidding to the bottom, people with nice cars are not going to be driving. Yeah. I don't, you know, I don't, I really don't follow the lead on California here. I don't think that, I think that because of the pandemic and because of all the, because of the too generic way the ABC rule was written, I think that a lot of states fell off that bandwagon where, you know, like no October, November last year, I felt like every state was going to go AB5. I really did. I started feeling like, oh my God, they're not even going to alter this. They're just going to do it like this. Boom. But now, not the case at all. I feel like states are going, dude, this is just a mess. They've destroyed the freelancing opportunities. They've destroyed the freelancing opportunities for people who live in their states who want to freelance for California companies who can't. Right. There's been too much damage without any proof yet of good. I agree that it it doesn't. It doesn't look like a successful picture right now. And I don't think that this bidding war is going to make it a more successful picture. I mean, surprise me. I could be wrong. I right. prove don't it, feel pr- like... Prove us wrong. Right. I don't feel prove like it's wrong. going to be something for real that all the other states are going to want to follow. In fact, I think that Uber and Lyft are doing this. Like, fine, you're going to make us put in all these, you know, whatever needs to be for them to be independent contractors. This needs to be done. They need to set their own price. Let's see how well this works. Yeah, I agree. We'll all see. Well, um, and the last thing I wanted to end with tonight, or a couple little tidbits too, but this was just funny to me. So Uber's ultimate fail um, to me, well, I mean, that's impossible to say. Everything they do is a fail. Um, But the biggest fail that that I thought, and I'm originally from Michigan, was when they made Uber Boat in Michigan. I thought, well, what a joke. Told my cousin about it. He was like, eh, all of us real boaters are going to put them in the wall. We don't give a crap. If I see a boat that says Uber, they're done. You know, they, they were not going to have this. And it failed anyway. It didn't take that. But nonetheless, um, then they tried Uber Boat around the world. And I think they're left in one place in Indonesia, but it's pretty sad what they do. And, and they're kind of more like uh, like uh, big rowboats with motors on them. They're not really, I wouldn't call it Uber boat if I was a company. But um, then they tried Uber boat again and a couple places fail. They did Uber submarine. Um, let's, let's face it, before I come to the punchline here, guys, Uber does worse. I don't know how this is possible, but they do worse on water than they do on land. Period. (laughs) But here's the kicker. Somehow, Uber has teamed up uh, with Thames Clipper in London to launch uh, the first commuter Uber boat service in London. So they're going to strip the... uh, the Thames Clippers that have been on these boats forever, name, put Uber stickers on them, do no tech, nothing, and just run these commuter boats. 
And you're going to be able to do it through the app. That's the only difference. You'll be able to book it through the app, and it's going to say Uber on the boat. They did nothing else. So, eh, I'll give that a month. A month, and then Uber sticker comes off, Tames Clippers goes back on, and we have Uber fail on water for the fourth time. Um, I think if they keep trying it, at some point, maybe they'll be successful, right? Who? Uber. They keep trying some water form well, of transportation. You don't think well, they well, might well, find well, something that works? Let me think. Uber's been successful at what? Rideshare. They have? Yeah. They've never made, they, they've never turned a profit. Yeah. You you are correct. They've never turned a profit. They've grown their business and ten, made, ten years, not one profit. They've grown they've expanded their business exponentially and their investors have made money. That's the point of a business, right? Yeah, but now it's a publicly traded company, so you can actually see its bullcrap. <laughs> I mean, when it's it when true. it was when it was private, you can hide a lot of stuff. And I'm not saying illegally or whatever, because there's people overseeing this stuff even when you're not being traded. But since they've been public, everything's been a joke. They buy jump bikes, then throw them in a trash can. And they, yes, they did. They didn't give them to a poor country that could have used them. They threw them away. We've seen pictures of 10,000 lift scooters in a dump yard. I mean, this is getting ridiculous. And they invest into every stupid idea you could. And if I'm feeling harsh tonight about Uber, it's because right now in my book and the way that they treat people, Uber sucks. It just sucks. Pretty sure they're going to continue to give you some more material. Oh, I'm sure. They'll they'll, they'll keep this podcast going for a hundred years. I'll be handing this over to my son because it'll be Uber Planet. Uber fail number. (laughs) Yeah, Uber fail number one million forty-seven. I mean, they nothing works for them. Nothing. I mean, Darrow was on an interview this week where he said. The future of Uber rideshare is 50% of the business model. Okay. But you've never done anything that works. The only thing that does work, like Marissa said, is rideshare. And that you couldn't make any money on. It's time to stop with autonomous. It's time to stop with all the bullshit. Stop the fucking money excuse my language the money being poured out it's over get focus on rideshare do it right treat your drivers right coming out of this because you know if you want to get ahead of lift be the better company be the one that focuses on rideshare and makes it better again otherwise the one good thing that i can say right now is that there is a great opportunity if a company has some money even in one city only to start to step it up and really make a rideshare company go. We've seen a lot try, but right now, what a great time. Nobody, the passengers, the drivers, everybody would ditch Uber in a heartbeat to make 10 cents more or to save 10 cents, not just because of the money, but because they're sick of the way this company operates. So give them an option, they'll take it. So I'm sorry, I'm very heated today, you guys. I I just, it was 
bad article after bad article after bad article, and then some Derek quotes that just blew my mind that he's that stupid to say that kind of stuff in public. And Dara, if by any chance you're catching this, maybe you're in an Uber ride and you're hearing this from the back seat, you suck. And so that said, I'm going to wrap it up tonight. We're going to be more happy next week. And I got some great guests coming up, you guys. Um, we are going to have, uh, well, I don't want to give it away. We got some great guests coming up. And uh, I'm sorry I had to rip into Uber today. The title of this episode will obviously be something negative about Uber. I would come up with something good. And, uh, yeah, it's time for them to pull their head out of their, you know what, and start, uh, and start realizing that all the money they waste on all the stupid projects they have could be better spent on the one aspect that they know they have a business, rideshare. Quit doing other things. Quit spending 70% of the money on non-rideshare things for the company. It is time to buckle down. It is time to run this like a company. And yes, I honestly, you know, Travis was a nightmare. We all had to deal with him, but he was a funny nightmare. Dara's just a nightmare. He's nothing. He's a loser, and he sucks. And, you know... We all do this because we like to be our own boss and make our own schedules and make money. We don't do it because we respect anybody in this company. So, anyway, um, taxes are due this week, you guys. Don't forget. Uh, the work-from-home gigs I've got posted. I will be keep, I'll keep adding to them. But, you guys, I had a couple of questions from some people. There's some good ones up there. Um, I had, you know, I'm waiting for some feedback from somebody who actually signed up for three and I'm waiting to see what she uh, experiences with them. So we'll see. But I'd like some more people to do that as well. Uh, next week is going to be super awesome. We got, we're going to talk about actually not just keep how we've been talking about autonomy. We're going to talk about the final edition of Autonomy.jobs. It's live. It's done. It's not in beta testing. It's in full mode right now. And what it does is awesome. So you guys need to check it out. That said, uh, sorry if I put out a couple bad words tonight. I am heated. Um, I am uh, an advocate of the drivers. I will be staying on top of PUA to help any of you out that need it um, if, in case anything gets changed or whatever. And we will also stay on top of what's going on with the country getting back, even though that's not really what we talk about. That matters very much to gig workers. So, um the next few weeks are going to be very interesting ones. This one was a week where all the news I read was horrible on Uber. So instead of digging around for more stuff, I just decided, you know what? Let's just put Uber in the ground for a day. Um, that said, go be nice to people. Don't treat anybody, your worst enemy, like Uber would treat their best friend. Love people. Be nice. Be good. Be peaceful. And uh, be safe out there. And uh, cities are picking up. So remember, you work for yourself. If you want to work for the money that, that you can make on Uber, then work. If you don't, then don't. Don't do anything for this company. They don't do anything for you. That said, I'm out. See you next week. Peace.